1: Re-re-re-re-restart. I don't know if this is now our sixth or seventh attempt at restarting. What we have here is the host who is diligently typing away with blog talk help, uh, trying to get our minds wrapped around what exactly is happening, and more importantly, how we can solve the problem, as our host has always implied, I believe it's what he calls the 90-10 rule. He only wants to spend 10% of the time on what the problem itself is, 90% on the time of the solution, and so I believe that's what he's doing. We have um, somebody from help speaking to the host and uh, And, and
2: significantly annoying me,
1: and and (laughs) essentially uh, telling the host, oh, I think I know what the problem is that someone is ending the episode, which is funny because that's completely beyond what the what the problem is. The source of the problem is that we're being cut off, uh, so I have no idea what else she can offer to the host other than let's take a look in the mirror, blog talk. Okay, let's take a long look in the mirror. And let's own that we're screwing up a little bit right now. So Blog Talk is in the pockets of this help lady. They want to make sure
2: she <laughs> no, does she, not take no, any she, kind of
1: ownership. She's connected with.
2: She's the tech support. All right, see if we can get our call screening line back up and see if that what that that might do. And then we'll get back into our show topic. And hopefully it won't kick us off.
1: Yeah, again, that's, that's what and we're going to try. And we still do.
2: have the uh, tech support person up with us. Uh, we're chatting with them
1: uh online, so That's great see the second she takes ownership for blog talk we're talking reimbursement now. You see, so she's trying to avoid that uh but we're trying to get the screen line the screening line loaded here. We do have some callers calling in, so it looks like at the very least that feature is working. We've got our screening line back up and back up and running. Um, I no longer have my little mole uh reporting whether or not we're breaking up or we disappear. Um we do have we do have a caller. We we do have a caller on the line. What I'm gonna do folks is uh I'm actually gonna Just test to see if they can hear I'm gonna screen this call but I'm gonna leave you guys on so you guys can actually hear how polite I am when I screen phone calls. So give me a moment.
2: Our show topic uh, still is sabotage, and we're being...
1: (laughs) Thank you for calling Roadtron Recovery. Can I please get your name and where you're from? Hello. Can I please get your name and where you're from?
2: You're getting a live call screen.
1: Linda from San Francisco. Well, Linda, thank you so much for calling the show. We are experiencing heavy technical difficulties today, (laughs) but the host will patch you through momentarily.
2: Can, can you imagine if you heard that from your pilot if you were flying? <laughs> we are experiencing heavy technical difficulties at this time in the cockpit. <laughs> Please stay calm, yes,
1: yes, exactly.
2: And seated with your seat belts tightly
1: fastened, <laughs> oh man, so we we've successfully screened a phone call, no boot quite yet. Linda from San Francisco is on. So we know uh we know the screen line is working. We know the hold pattern is working. We do have callers calling in. It's Darren and she'll I'll get a thing in my headset when she finishes
2: typing the she's typing right now. Alright, let's see if we can get back to sabotage. Uh we
1: got about uh a little less than an hour to go. <clears throat> yeah, let's get back to it. So you were on the track of talking about. I every... think we left off at the boom. I don't know if that if we got cut off right yeah. before the boom. It, you know? it was it was pretty much right at the boom. Everything's going good, and you were going to touch specifically on the engineering of the self sabotage, and I believe the uh, the host just got a signal, so he's going to be reading into some more of what the help has to offer. What I will tell you is in my experience, being a counselor in the field for as long as I have been, that we uh, often, quite often, not completely 100% across the board, but quite often we'll see this where you'll have somebody who has gone through treatment who's had their ups and downs, but they are working through issues, they are nearing the end of treatment, they're maybe going on job search, going on passes, going on outings, um, and nearing you know, the the time of treatment where they will re-enter society and then something will go terribly wrong. Um, they will begin to behave a little out of character or they will break a rule that's serious enough in the program to have them held back. Um, and quite often, this is uh, what the host was talking about with the shooting yourself in the foot or the boom going off is that it's almost an intentional move on an aware, conscious, or subconscious level that they will do something to ensure that they're held back. A rule broken serious enough to where we would not then feel comfortable releasing somebody into the transitional part of their program. Um, And it's so common, in fact, that it's an issue that we widely discuss now. In programs, the idea of self sabotage, and everybody has their own reasons, but for many, it boils down to fear of failure and or fear of success, believe it or not. Um, and people just get used to their life having been so chaotic while in their addiction that now they've come into this safe environment. They're in a program, they're having three meals provided for them every day. You don't have the responsibility of having to pay bills. You don't have the responsibility of working a full-time job. Um, You are in a cocoon, so to speak, which is a word that the host specifically used in the introduction to what the show topic was going to be. And it can be quite scary for some to have gone through all the chaos that they went through before coming into a program. Now they've lived in a program for 9 months give or take. Um everything is smooth, everything is relatively easy. And now you're faced with going back out in a society and having to do it without that 24-hour support around the clock surrounding you with your peers and staff and quite simply the structure of the program. And so the act of self-sabotage is Really, a sign that somebody is either a not ready, or b ready but letting their nerves or their fears or their self doubt uh, get the best of them. I would say that that's usually what it's what it boils down to. And for some, you'll have uh, what we call in the therapeutic community self sabotage and shooting yourself in the foot are intercha- interchangeable terms. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you will have Somebody shoot themselves in the foot with a super soaker or water gun, and some choose the AK-47. So the extent to which they fully totally automatic, the extent to which they shoot themselves in the foot varies greatly. But ultimately, the intent and the the hope or the end goal is the same. I just feel, for whatever reason, that I'm too afraid to leave, or I'm not ready to leave treatment. So let me do something causes a reaction from the staff or the program to keep me here, as opposed to just doing it myself. Because if I continue to go at this rate, they're going to let me go, and and that's a frightening prospect.
2: And we and we know that that's the case, and so we have to then, my old expression, we have to we have to dig a little deeper and mm-hmm. find out what's you know what's this fear um what's underlying this that um would cause someone to engineer a relapse. This is not a um, different from a negative reservation relapse where, you know, a person right. is you know, thinking to themselves, hold, keeping it to themselves that hey, I can dibble and dabble, you know, a little bit and the uh,
1: plan is there all along.
2: Yeah, exactly. Um this is a person who really does aspire to, you know, get this recovery thing, um, but, you know, their fear of not succeeding or fear of fail, failing at it um, causes them to make a decision to do things that will, as you stated, keep them in the cocoon, keep them in the safe environment. Right. Well, the bottom line is we're going to kick you out of this environment. A safe environment. You're gonna get kicked out of the safe environment. Not necessarily ours. Whatever safe environment you're in, because you can't. You have to progress. Right. Move on in one way, shape, or form. You can't stay in the same place physically, mentally, emotionally, psychologically, or spiritually. Correct. You have to move continually, and move forward. And so, you know, I'm thinking of. Uh, and by the way, this show was spurred by you know, recent events that, you know, just some various clients who who have, who have done this. Now, this has happened over the years, of course, clients have sabotaged themselves, but I just thought, you know, since it has been popping up recently, I said, you know, let's do a show on this because this is not new, people sabotaging themselves. Um, well, let's see if we can talk about what may be behind it. And with one particular client it you know this was all that they knew not the program but you know using right was all that they knew right um and feeling bad was all that they knew mm-hmm. and questions i asked this person was would you agree or disagree that you are never ever 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 ever, ever going to enjoy getting high again? And the person laughed and said, yes, that's true. Right. I said, so we've already served a small purpose. We've ruined your get high forever.
1: (laughs) Right, right, exactly. (laughs) Um,
2: Because once you get a little bit of treatment, once you get a little bit of treatment, I'm being harassed, by the way, by the technical support person. Once you get a little bit of treatment and a little bit of understanding, a little bit of knowledge, a little bit of information, a little bit of insight into why I do what I do, why I act the way i act you'll know you you'll you'll no longer be able to get high and be uh blissfully ignorant right you'll you know depending on what drugs, but more often than not you'll get to a point in your high where you'll start to analyze yourself you know why the hell am I doing what i'm doing and but the only difference is you'll, this time you'll have answers. Right. So the high is just totally ruined because now you know, you're, you're knowledgeable. So I said if if you know since you know you're not going to enjoy the high anymore, why don't we face head on this fear that you have of being out there drug-free? And you know, and being this different person that you were since you spent most of your life being out there under the influence. Right. Let's deal with that rather than say hey, well let me just get high because that's what I'm used to, that's not going to work because that's not what you want, which is very different when we're dealing with someone that, that is what they want. They're not ready yet. You're ready. You're just afraid to take that leap, right? That leap of faith.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: We could start throwing a lot of uh, run philosophies at you right now.
1: You know, uh, blind, yeah, absolutely. That
2: blind faith. those so some, you know, some trust out there.
1: Exactly.
2: Um, and so it does require really getting into, you know, digging deep into their gut to find out what's really going on and then having to be really gut-level honest about what's really going on. And then then we can work. Yeah. Then we can work. There is, you know, there is a major difference, as you know, between the, the saboteur, the, hell, the French say it, the saboteurs. Okay. Um, versus the... Uh, the slicksters um, that you know are planning the planners, exactly the general planners, um, and with the planners, there's nothing to do with the planners. It's you're just not ready.
1: You're not ready. Yeah, yet. That, yeah, that's okay. the
2: bottom line. Yeah, when you're holding on to that. Yeah, um, but with the person who is sabotaging themselves, we know that there you know that we can see that there is this person really. They don't want the lifestyle anymore. They do want to experience being in recovery, being clean um, and sober. Um, But the thoughts and the feelings of existing in that manner are so overwhelming Mm -hmm. that they end up making decisions and doing things to make sure that they don't experience it. Okay? Right. Um, And here's the
1: kicker. When we I'm not sure I understand. Looks like the host has been experimenting with Siri, so we just all found out right now that
2: uh our I, I didn't touch anything.
1: Maybe Siri is actually trying to figure this out with us. She's been witnessing all the technical difficulties. Yeah,
2: so she's still typing, but um that just started out of nowhere.
1: That's it, man. The did idea. you see me? My hands move. No, no, can't say that I did. Um, where was I? Uh, you're talking about the slicksters or the people that were planning on it versus the people who sincerely want to go, but facing failure is a tough oh, one, right?
2: So ultimately, we're going to keep on throwing them out there, right? You know what I mean, and and keep forcing them to confront, you know, this fear that they have, and and this is the thing that they don't realize is that, so if you go out, you come back, and you say, yeah, you know, I I, I used, I had a drink, or, you know, I smoked a joint, whatever it is that you did to relapse, and, yeah, we're, we're going to get into it and find out what was going on and why the decision was made and et cetera, et cetera, but ultimately we're going to say, okay, well, you know, guess what? You're going right back out there. Right. And we're going to keep on sending you back out there because that's the only way that you're, at some point, you're going to realize that I got to just, I got to be able to go out there and not do these things. Period. Because you're not going to stay in a treatment environment for the rest of your
1: life. No, you're not. And you also have to, uh, I guess, embrace the idea that there. it goes a step beyond fear of failure, which I think generally people can understand having a fear of failure. It's a valid fear. It makes sense. But the idea needs to be accepted that you will fail. Mm -hmm. You may not necessarily fail in staying clean and sober. You might be able to avoid relapse and be strong in your recovery, but... You are going to experience failures throughout your life, right. whether they be not necessarily a relapse, but just failures right, exactly. in other areas. That's right, And and they may be academic, they may they may be at home, they may be in the workplace, wherever they may be. You're going to experience them. So it's the fear of failure is is one thing, and then but understanding that failures are going to happen and being okay with that, learning how to cope with that. Is another thing because it can be real easy for somebody to basically feel like they have it all together leaving the program. Mm-hmm. Go out, and maybe it's not a relapse, but maybe they are laid off. Maybe due to no fault of their own, the mm-hmm. company's cutting back or something like that. Um, could be anything. But that might immediately act as the catalyst and trigger the domino effect of, well, you see, I knew it. You know, I'm not good enough or Mm -hmm. all these kind of um, self-doubting and negative thoughts start clouding your mind. And then might as well just go back to using because I couldn't make it anyway. Well, you were succeeding in your recovery. There happened to be a bump in the road that you hit, which Mm -hmm. was maybe to no fault of your own. And even if it was, okay, so I made a mistake But learning how to live with the idea that I'm allowed to make a mistake. It's okay to make a mistake, but I'm going to continue to push forward because it's important to push forward, because it's important to know that we're all human, we all err, but that doesn't stop me from my goals. That doesn't stop me from being on the road to success. Uh, And so I think... It is just as important, if not more important, to not necessarily get over the fear of failure, but to embrace that failure will happen, I just need to continue to move forward. Mm-hmm. I need to push through it. I think that's that's a, the bigger message you got to send to people. Okay. Um, how are we on time? We've got about 38 minutes. Okay.
2: Let's take a quick break. All right. I can uh, wrap up this technical support person because they're really annoying me because they're in one air, one part of my headset, and I'm trying to talk and do what we're doing. Um, let's take a quick break, wrap that up, come back, finish this up, and then we'll take some calls.
1: That's what we're going to do.
0: You hear that? What you won't do, you do for love. You'll try anything, but you won't give up. That's the attitude you need to have in recovery. You've got to love or learn to love yourself first. You've got to be willing to try anything that will help you succeed. And most importantly, you can never give up. Visit us at ocgworks.org. OCG, where hope grows.
3: Uh, what you will do to follow.
2: All right, welcome back to uh, Roach on Recovery. There is something before we get back to our show topic to close that out. Something funny happened over the weekend. My wife must have not realized, because we mentioned it last week when we uh, initiated the start of training camp, Mm. football, the NFL training camp. And uh, this weekend she asked me, is football starting up again? I said it sure is, yes. and she screamed.
1: <laughs>
2: she said, "Oh
1: no, believe it! No, no, no!"
3: <laughs>
2: I said, "Yes, it is." But I said, "Look, it's only training camp. Games don't start until September.
1: Yeah. We've still
2: got go. a month and a half. Still got a little ways to go."
1: She's like, "Oh no!" Yeah, that's uh, that sounds familiar. Yeah, is uh, typically uh, that's. That's how it goes in in my household. The uh, start of the season is on the approach. My wife is a little little more hip to when it starts because she notices the influx of commercials. See, I'm a fantasy football player. Mm -hmm. They don't start advertising fantasy football until the season is about to start. Mm -hmm. So we're watching TV the other day, not sports, but a commercial comes on. Fantasy football, get Mm -hmm. your leagues ready. Mm -hmm. She looks at me. Oh, man, football's starting up, and right. then the same reaction after mm-hmm. that. Which, by the way, for anybody listening who cares, I've been doing my damnedest, my darndest, whatever we can say on Blog Talk here, to get the host to join up in the Fantasy Football League for at least five years now. I, every time it's a no, but every time it's like, okay, he'll hear me out for a little longer before he says no. But for a man who knows the game and knows the stats for as well as he does, I can't understand for the life of me why he doesn't want to play fantasy football. No comment. (laughs) And he would love it, I'm certain. One season in, you're hooked. That's it.
2: Once again, no comment. (laughs) Please direct all questions to my agent.
1: Perfect. Well done. So, yeah, funny enough. That's how the wives feel about it. All right, so
2: ironically fittingly our topic sabotage we've been sabotaged on our show today, indeed, we've had to re 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 restart how many times at one, least one two three four five six, six times yeah. yeah, the
1: show, and now we're being told that it's it's our our fault it's that
2: it's something we're doing we're pressing we're we're ending our own show. And so you might have heard heard me mad, mad typing. You know how you type and you're mad, and you can make you, yeah, make, you hit the keys
1: real hard, real hard, like yep,
2: to, to let the tech support person know that we are not purposely ending our own show.
1: No.
2: But um, to wrap up uh, the show topic, which I don't think that is just due because of so many interruptions. But in any event, we know that we get clients who, when they reach a certain point. And they have this history that all they know is this one way, this, this one life. Right. And this new life, this new way of thinking and being is is alien to them. It's new. And as you stated, all of the doubts exist of whether or not can I succeed in this new life in all of its various aspects, not just staying clean, but, you know, working my my intra- and interpersonal relationships, and so on and so forth, because right. all of these things existed previously in the addiction uh, world. Mm-hmm. And now they're not going to exist in that world. And when it's time to – it's like you almost have a foot in your back, it feels like and when it's time to now face the world – We sometimes, uh, you know, we're like sliding on the floor as the foot's pushing us out the door because, you know, we're not ready yet, but there is no perfect ready time. There's just, you just got to, like, jump in. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so as a a counselor, it would not be in your best interest for me to allow you to wait until you believe you are perfectly ready because there's no such thing. Mm -hmm. You have to experience even trials and tribulations. In the, even in the early goings of the recovery process, to see how you would respond in the early goings. Correct. You know, and make what kind of decisions you'll make. And, yeah, sometimes people don't make the right decision, and so sometimes they do relapse, but so what? We're going to send you right back out there until you get it right. And we don't care how many times it takes. I think I've mentioned in shows past how many people I know that, you know, on the on, you know, they relapsed th- three times, had to come back into treatment, but on the fourth time, they got it. Yeah. And what yeah. if they would have given up on the third time? You know, but they got it on the fourth time. Right. So, history is littered with success stories of people on the fourth try. Very true. So,
1: all right, that's our aborted show topics. Yes. Beautiful. Well. Uh, One thing I can say is that at least in this topic, it has come up in other topics because it tends to come up. So although it may not have had its beautiful time in the spotlight for today, uh, it has been mentioned several times. So we'll take a quick uh, commercial break to wrap this topic up. And on the other side, we'll come back and take a couple of your phone calls.
3: I don't tip the boat oh, rock, rock the boat. I don't rock the boat, baby. Rock the boat. Ever since our voyage of love began, your touch has thrilled me like the rush of the wind. And your arms have held me safe from a rolling sea. There's always been a quiet place to harbor you and me. Our love is
0: like a ship
3: on the ocean We've been sailing with a cargo full of love and devotion So I'd like to know where you got the notion Said I'd like to know where you got the notion Rock the boat, don't rock the boat baby Rock the boat, don't tip the boat over Rock the boat, don't rock the boat baby Rock the boat Oh, I need to have the strength that flows from you. Don't let me drift away, my dear. When love can see me through, our love is like a ship on the earth Don't tip the boat over. Rock the boat. the boat. Rock on with your the boat. Rock Rock the on with the boat. Roll yeah, boat. Roll the boat. the boat. the boat. the boat. the the boat.
0: Roach on Recovery is a program of OCG Radio. It deals with many topics related to substance abuse, substance abuse treatment, and recovery. Our recovery support time is a show segment where you can receive support from our host for any questions or issues you wish to present related to substance abuse, substance abuse treatment or recovery. You can reach our hosts live by calling 646-564-9909. That's 646-564-9909. Or you can send your questions via email at any time to ocgworkca at gmail.com. That's ocgworkca at gmail.com. And our host will respond to your questions on the air. Roach on Recovery. Recovery Support Time. A time for us to help you.
2: Okay, welcome back to Roach on Recovery. This is recovery support time. Let's get right to it. We're short on time, so we want to get as many calls in, and hopefully we might hit some X-Files.
1: Hey, you never know.
2: All right, let's go to Linda from San Francisco, who's been a trooper holding on all this time. Linda, welcome.
0: Hi, thank you. Um, Yes, my question is, is um, what are the most useful tools to maintain a recovery?
2: Good question. Um honesty with oneself.
3: Mm, that sounds good.
2: Um, you know, along the lines of, you know, you can fool other people, but you can't fool yourself. So, we re- always remaining honest with oneself. Um and I'm 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 going to be dropping some unwritten philosophies on you. Okay? Okay. To be aware is to be alive always being aware of what you're going through, what you're feeling, what you're experiencing so that you can control how you're responding. Okay. Okay? Um, Okay. And then the last one, and and it's always going to be simple, all three. Talk, talk, talk. Share, share, share. Don't keep...
0: Just in the process. Excuse me? It's a trust in the process,
2: yeah, you got you gotta make sure that you have people around you that you can talk to, people you can share with, so that you can unload stuff that it doesn't build up, build up, build up, build up,
3: okay, yeah,
2: start to That's impact the way you know start to really impact the way you're starting to feel and then impact the things that you're doing. We want to avoid that,
0: okay, so it's good.
2: Now, I didn't mention one obvious thing purposely, but I'm going to say it now. All of that is tied to and presuming that the person has a commitment to being clean and sober.
0: Oh uh, Yeah, if you don't want it, you're not going to get it. Exactly. Great. All right. All right. Thanks for the help. Thank you, Linda. And I love your show. Oh, thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
2: Anything else you would have added to that?
1: No, I think it's hard to say, right, which tool is more important to recovery than another. To a different person, yeah. To each yeah, person. to each person it's different, and then they're all important. Mm-hmm. I don't see one necessarily working without the functioning of several others that need to operate well for one to work. But honesty was the first thing that came to my mind. And so, yeah, and I think to be aware is to be alive kind of ties right into honesty.
2: And that's such a broad one that can be connected to so many things. Mm -hmm. Um, Like she said, like we said, if you're not committed to being in recovery and and living a, a positive, constructive lifestyle, it doesn't make a difference.
1: Right. Ultimately, anyway. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. So,
2: and even though it goes without saying, and we say it's obvious, we still have, we still say it at the end. All right. Uh is this a blind call? We're going to take a, a...
1: Come on, the episode of sabotage. We're on our sixth restart. Let's just fire it up. All right.
2: Hi, welcome to the show. Can we have your first name and your hometown, please?
0: Mike from San Jose.
2: Hi, Mike. Welcome.
0: Thank you. I just want to know, how does cocaine affect your love life over a long term?
3: Um,
2: Well, let's say, first off, we're not doctors, okay, but just from what I've read, and Mr. Producer, you can chime in because I know you've studied too, uh, there's no long-term effect. That's just what I've read.
0: Is there no long-term effect of cocaine on your love life?
2: No, it is long-term effect on cocaine on other things, but not necessarily your ability to perform.
0: Right. Okay. Well, thank you.
2: Okay, you're very welcome. All right, bye. Bye Bye-bye. I know you were in the middle of screening a call.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I do not know if you wanted to comment on the question about the, the long-term, whether or not cocaine had any long-term effects on uh, a man's ability to sexually perform.
1: Yeah, no, I haven't in at least nothing that's been empirically proven or I haven't mm-hmm. had any, read any research that um, that would be a result of heavy cocaine use over years. Uh, you might have a problem in relationships with communication as cocaine can uh really damage your your brain. So, um
2: yeah, I mean I, I I'd like to just brag for 10 seconds. If please, I can.
1: Take your time.
2: So when we were being orally tested in terms of some concepts, mm-hmm. okay, in, in a group in in a training session back in New York and the question came up, what is what is the definition of anhedonia? Okay, a n h e d o n i a. Uh huh. I just happened to have read it somewhere. Yeah. See, this is the advantage of being an avid reader. Okay. Sure, of course. I just happened to have read. I was up at Swan Lake, and I just it was a book in the living room, and I just happened to have read it and knew what the definition was. And it it's has to do with something that cocaine addicts suffer from, and that's an inability to to uh, Experience pleasure, and that's right. one of the long-term side effects to long-term cocaine use. Right, is that they suffer from what's called anhedonia. Right. So I used to always tell the cocaine addicts, "You do not want to uh, uh, abuse cocaine too long because if you cannot experience pleasure, right, then I'm sure there'll be other impacts." E- yeah, exactly. You could read between the lines. Exactly. All right. Enough of that. Let's go to uh James from East Palo Alto. James, welcome.
3: Hi. How are you? Good. Um so yeah, I had a question. Um I have been told that it takes 5 years for drugs to be completely rid from your body. Is is that is that true that it takes 5 years for for your body to get rid of all all the drugs out of your body, I mean, and being tested through hair samples or blood, that it's still traceable for five years.
2: I've not heard that.
3: Oh.
2: <laughs> that just because I haven't heard it does not mean that it might not be so. I'm just saying I've, I've never heard that in 27 years.
3: Okay. Well, thank you very much. Okay. All right. Have You're a good
2: welcome. day. All right. Bye-bye. Not sure why he's worried about uh, how long drugs stay in the system for five years or not, but
1: hmm,
2: let's move to Larry from Santa Cruz. Welcome.
3: Hi. Thank you for having me. Okay. My, my question
1: is, does heroin affect you long-term
2: interesting thing about heroin or as we say in New York heroin <laughs> heroin
3: okay.
2: Um, high quality listen carefully now high quality yeah. heroin is actually a preserver of skin tissue and this is how we knew the difference between people who were using good heroin and people who were using lower quality the people who were using good heroin always looked good, great. You couldn't tell they were heroin addicts. But the ones um. who were using lower quality heroin, you know, on the street, you know, street dealers, corner dealers, whatever, you who know, might, might cut it 35 times with who knows what, Ajax, Borax, you know, who, who knows what, okay, it looked totally different. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Um,. And and again, my thing with the heroin addicts is not only did the ones who, you know, who, who had the ability to get better quality heroin so they, they didn't look like they were run down living in the street, but when they were able to lick the physical addiction of heroin and then just have to deal with the psychological aspects, so on and so forth, I would always tell them, you're home free, you're home free, don't go back, don't go back. And I would always say anyone who went back to me was the stupidest addict of all. Uh-huh. When it came to heroin, of course. So long term I think, you know, your previous caller asked a similar question. Any drug that you use that is does not belong in your system, that's mind altering, okay? that you use over a long period of time is going to have some negative effect on the body. Hmm. Okay? What yeah. that is, how it manifests itself, may is really, I think, different for each individual. You know what I'm saying? Yes. The best thing to do is, when a person gets off the drug, is to do whatever they can to live a healthy lifestyle and do whatever they can to make up for what you know the way they have treated their bodies, and you know, and so on and so forth. Um, and you know, yeah, at some point, I always believe you're gonna pay the piper. So, like in the marijuana smokers, you know, at some point, your memory's gonna, you know, you're gonna start forgetting stuff. You know.
3: Yeah. You're right. Yeah, you, know, you gotta right. pay the piper at some
2: point. <laughs> yeah,
3: I think it's it's, uh, it's kind of odd how you say that that it's the quality of
1: of heroin that you get right? that you know if it's good heroin you're you know you can't tell if they're on heroin then yep i mean i i figured any heroin would make a a user you know would would show up on their skin
2: no, I remember when I was, you know, young in the field, I would ask a question. You know, you would see two different people. They were both heroin addicts, but one looked, you know, like you couldn't tell. You They looked like a normal person. They look like they were using. <laughs> the other person, you would look at them and say, oh, they're adequate something, you know. And yeah, they were yeah, also heroin addicts. Well, why do they look so different? Yeah. This one was using yeah. this quality. This one was using this quality. And look at the effect it had on this person's body versus yeah. that person. Now. Mm-hmm. Underneath, who knows if the effect wasn't the same? You know what I mean? Yes. But from the exterior looking at them, oh, dramatic difference.
1: Yeah, yeah that's a trip. Okay. Okay. Well, hey, you answered my question. Thank you.
2: All right. Thank you. Okay, bye. All right. And what do we know? <laughs> yeah, not too much. All right. Let's go to. Vincente from Redwood City. Vincente, welcome.
3: Welcome. Hi, how you doing?
2: Good. Can you speak up a little bit, please? Yeah. All right, how can we help you, sir?
0: So, how can you stop drinking?
1: Well, that's the... uh, (laughs) That's another million-dollar question we get them from time to time. Pretty uh, straightforward, unfortunately. There's no straightforward answer other than seeking help for it. Um, kind of. I mean, we could get into a bunch of cliches here, but like the first step or whatever, it, you got to admit that you have a problem with it, and then you have to seek help for it. Um, there's no magic answer, and no one thing works for everybody. Different things work for different folks, but... The goal is to engage in some sort of treatment or seek some sort of support um, with the idea that, or being open-minded to the idea that um, this is something that's beyond your control. You have an issue with drinking and you can't seem to stop left to your own devices, and so you need to seek the input and advice and feedback of other folks, uh, other folks who have studied it other folks who have been through it and managed to overcome it um, you just need to be open you need to be a sponge and be willing to absorb all of the information that comes your way and I believe if you have the desire to stop drinking and you are open to the feedback as to how to go about that you should be good
3: oh okay thank you
1: you're very welcome
3: yeah
1: and Vicente, are you still on the line? Yes. I've always told people that I've encountered in my years of counseling that the funny thing about quitting drinking or using drugs is it's only as difficult or complicated as we make it. Because some, yes, At the end of the day, stopping the use of drugs or alcohol boils down to making a choice. If you make a choice or a decision that I don't want to do this anymore, no one's going to force it on you. At the end of the day, you make the choice whether to do it or not. So it's as easy as making a choice, but it's also incredibly challenging to see that choice through. Um, but you just don't make it any more difficult than it needs to be. If you desire to stop, then that is really that's really what's needed. Then you can just be open to what you here, as far as to tools and and ways to manage when you start to feel like drinking Okay. Okay, sir. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Thank you.
2: Good stuff. All right. Uh, another blind call. Take another blind call. Blind call. How, how are we on time? You got like four minutes. Oh goodness. All right.
3: You hi, see? welcome
2: to the show. Can we have your first name and your hometown, please? Um,
3: hi, my name is Dennis. I'm from uh, Palo Alto.
2: Hey, Dennis, uh, can you speak up a little? I have a
3: question. Hello.
2: Dennis, Dennis, can you speak a little louder, please? Yeah. Okay. Go ahead.
3: Um, do you hear me now?
2: Yep. Good.
3: Okay. Uh, I have a question. Um. Can I use the Viagra um safety in the short term use?
2: Dennis, we are not doctors, we have no idea. Okay. That's a question for your doctor.
3: Oh, that's for the doctor then.
2: Well your doctor, yes. Your doctor has to answer that question.
3: Oh, okay. Okay. All right.
2: All right. Thank you. Thank you. All right. I have to let you all know that the co-host was laughing hysterically (laughs) at the asking of that question.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, you know, although it can be fun to play, Doctor, from time to time, you never know what lawsuit lingers around the corner, so we... We have to be real touchy. We don't, with we don't want him calling nature. back and saying, yes, I tried it and I tried it per your advice and now I'm in all sorts of trouble. Yeah, exactly. I, He's had the 10-hour, not the four-hour erection. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, that's, um, I mean, I can see why someone might want to ask that. Maybe the, the question has to do with can can we use it safely in the short term if we've used other drugs or we've been in an addiction of some sort? Mm-hmm. Can that can whatever drug is in Viagra mingle with the drugs that I use in a dangerous manner? Mm-hmm. Which is a question that makes sense, but again, yeah, best left to your physician. Yep, because we don't know.
2: Uh, do we have
1: time? You for have one? a minute and thirty.
2: All right. Hi, welcome to the Hello, show. First name, name pl- first name, please. In your hometown.
3: My name is Ricardo, and I'm from Redwood City, California.
2: Okay, real quick.
3: What's the best way to find a sponsor?
2: Usually, if you go to a 12-step meeting, there are people there who are ready, willing, and able to be a quote-unquote formal sponsor for those who are new in in, in the 12-step arena and, and are looking for sponsors, but... As I've said many times before, anyone who's willing to support you and has knowledge of recovery and what's required to successfully achieve it can be a sponsor.
3: All right. Thank you. Okay? Yeah. Thank okay.
2: you. Okay. All right. You're welcome. Bye-bye.
3: All right. Bye. Bye. Is that it?
2: I think that's all we got
1: time for today, sir. Yeah, that way. Yeah, that's probably it. I mean, you can at least wrap it up and hopefully not forget something where you have to interject. As I'm ready to play our closing song. Well, uh, I think it's where do we st-
2: start? Yeah, where did, where do we start? We had uh, five disconnects and we had to restart, 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 and then we end up getting blamed, <laughs> <laughs> like we're ending our own show. Yes. So we'll take that up with our uh, our host. Um, at a later date, and hopefully before next Tuesday's show, we'll have it resolved, or they'll tell us that it's resolved, so we'll know what we'll be facing as we're heading into our next show. So, um, all right, and good for training camp, a weekend, and uh, can't wait for the first preseason
1: games. That's right, absolutely, right around the corner.
2: Um, so you know, the deal I made with the wife is, you know. I don't watch baseball, but I will be this, this uh, fall when the Yankees are in the playoffs. But That's I don't right. watch during the season. Okay. Okay.
1: And I only watch basketball at playoff time. Okay. But I
2: watch football from beginning to end.
1: That's okay. I like the deal. So. I like the deal on the table. Well done. Yeah. Well, uh, a real special thank you to anyone who hung in there with us today and listened yep. to the show with all of the cutoffs that took place. But again, we always appreciate everybody's support, all the people who've called in, all the followers and listeners. We thank you very much. We wish everybody out there a very fun and productive end of the week and a very safe weekend. We will speak to you all next Tuesday.
0: for this evening. Thank you for listening. Be sure to listen to our next broadcast Tuesday at 4 pm Pacific Standard Time on BlogtalkRadio.com forward slash OCG Radio. Like us, friend us, and follow us on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash OCGWork CA and on Twitter at OCG You can listen to podcasts of all our shows on iTunes under Roach on Recovery or on our Blog Talk Radio homepage. This has been a presentation of OCG Recovery Radio. Someday,
1: I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family.
3: VDW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
2: Join us today during the Jeep celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe.